0: Well, amen. You can be seated. Aren't you grateful for the worship band? Amen. Uh, That practice and rehearse and are prayed up each week so that they can lead uh, us before the throne. I sense the presence of the Lord in this place. Amen. The Lord is here, and I believe he wants to reveal himself. I believe he wants to speak into our lives. And so it's a joy for me to be with you on this Wednesday night. Uh, You can pray for me. I've been battling some Sinus issues, and I think it's this pollen. I think it's this crazy weather. Uh, but pray that I would have a strong voice uh, for you tonight. <clears throat> I asked uh, Josh back a couple weeks ago when he asked me to speak on this Wednesday night. I said, "Is there a, is there a particular uh, series that you are in that maybe I could just join in and be a part of?" And he says, "As a matter of fact, I'll be finishing or in the midst of a series on the Lord's Supper on on Communion." And uh, we actually talked about that and what that series would look like and different elements that, that he would teach on that. It's such an incredible uh, ordinance and sacrament that we enjoy together as believers. And then in preparation for tonight, I said there's a particular passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that I think is, is, is intriguing. I think it's very serious, and it's very stern. And I said, if you haven't taught on this particular passage that I think is very intriguing, I'd like to teach on it. And he says, absolutely, go ahead. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we'll look at the passage in a moment, but it's very interesting. As Paul is speaking to the church, he's speaking to the Christians, and he's talking about this thing of communion. He's thinking of this this teaching of the Lord's Supper. And there's two things that he refers to. It's very, very interesting. He says, he speaks of the cup of blessing, and then he speaks of the cup of demons. He says, I need you as believers, as Christians, I need you to partake, I need you to drink of the cup of the Lord, the cup of blessing, and not drink of the cup of demons. And as we think about the different cups that we may drink of when it comes to communion, as we think about what that means, it's very intriguing, it's it's very serious, it's a very stern warning. And I want you and I to look at it together. It is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'll begin reading in verse, we can look at the scripture, we'll put it on the screens as well. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and uh, beginning in verse number, number 16. It says, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Got to underline that phrase there, cup of blessing. It says in verse number 17, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifices uh, participants in the altar. What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to participate with demons. It's fascinating, strong word. Now look at verse 21, this is probably the the key verse in this passage here, understanding the cup of blessing versus the cup of demons. Verse 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provide the Lord to jealousy, provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than, than he? I think that key verse there in verse 21 you cannot drink the cup of the Lord the cup of blessing and the cup of demons you can't you can't partake in the table of the Lord and the table uh, of demons and so really the the study tonight is really two points I want us to think about what Paul is talking about for you and I as Christians that we drink of the cup of blessing versus the cup of demons. What does he mean by, and what are the implications of the cup of blessing? And then what are the implications that you and I, even as followers of Christ, can, can drink or partake of the cup of demons? So let's think about those two for just a few minutes that we have tonight. Let's think about the cup of of blessings look at verses 16 and 17 again I think it's kind of uh, I think it gives us the clue or the indication about the cup of blessing verse 16 says the cup of blessing that we bless is it not a participation in the blood of Christ the bread that we break is it not a participation in the body of Christ it may be that true translation renders it maybe communion and maybe uses a different word but that word participation Is that Greek word koinonia it is the word that is also translated in other places fellowship he says this is what we have in common what we have in common is the cup of blessing which he says is the cup of the blood of Christ So here's what it means, and here's here's the beautiful thing about this cup of blessing. It's what you and I get to enjoy together. It's what we have in common together. So you, you may come from a different part of the country. You may come from a different part of the world. You may be of a different age or a different nationality, but this is what we have in common. We have been washed in the blood of Christ. We have this in common. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. One of the things that I would want to encourage you to, to participate in, if you haven't, as, as Josh talks about the future and our mission partnerships, uh, some of you, for example, have gone to Cuba in one of our partnerships, you've been to Costa Rica, maybe you've been to Africa, we're exploring a new, uh, a new partnership in, 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 in England and so I would encourage you to travel abroad because one of the beautiful things about when I go other places is that I encounter, I meet my brothers and sisters in Christ. And we may not can even speak a common language. We, we have, we have the only thing we have in common is the blood of Christ that has washed our, our, away our sins. And so when he speaks here, this, this cup of blessing, he's talking about this is what we have together it's what brings us together and it's what keeps us together and that is the shed blood of Jesus that's what we have in common it may be that I'm from a different generation and I may have different likes and dislikes than what you have but listen we may the only thing we may have in common is the shed blood of Jesus and it's an incredible experience when you go to another nation, you go to another place, and you're in a room with people, and, and, and you take communion, you take the cup of blessing. It's an incredible, incredible time. That's who can share in the communion table. And that is those who have been washed by the blood. Now, he's talking about the cup of blessing. He's talking about the communion table. In that same context let's kind of read a little bit further beginning in verse number 23 let's read from 23 on down to 33 here's what he continues think about this continued thought all things are lawful but not all things are helpful all things are lawful but not all things build up let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, then eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in a sacrifice, then do not eat it. For the sake of the one who informs you and for the sake of conscience. Now I don't mean your conscience, but his For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all, what? To the glory of God. Verse 32, give no offense to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. So I think this gives us a little bit bigger, broader picture of what he means by the cup of blessing. So let me kind of mention here three guidelines that he mentions, that he talks about here in participating in communion and partaking of the cup of blessing. In other words, when he says for you and I as the church, when we're to drink of the cup of blessings there are there are some guidelines to drink of the cup of the Lord one of those is he says live separately live separately that's one of the guidelines of drinking the cup of blessing In fact this is the idea or this is the teaching exodus chapter 11 write this in your notes exodus chapter 11 verse number 7 that you may know that the lord makes a distinction between egypt and israel in other words all the way from the old testament to now there is a very clear distinction Between you and I as Christ followers and those that are unbelievers There should be a very clear distinction between the world and between you and I who are Devout followers of Jesus Christ now he goes on to tell us we think about Ezra chapter 10 verse 11 now then make confession to the Lord the God of your fathers and do his will separate yourselves from the peoples of the land and from the foreign wives 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 17. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you. Listen, God is telling us all throughout the Bible that we're to be separated from this world, set apart unto him. And that's what Paul is addressing here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Those at the communion table share together in Christ ought ought to live separately. I think one of the issues, one of the difficulties with my generation and with your generation with regard to Christianity in America is that it's getting harder and harder and harder to tell the difference between the Christian, the Christ follower, and the world. Because the Christian has become so worldly, so like the world, that you can't tell the difference. And listen, Paul is saying to the church, if you're going to drink the cup of the Lord, if you're going to drink the cup of blessing, there needs to be a clear distinction. You and I, as Christ followers, who have been washed by the blood, ought to live separately. Live separately. Now, here's what you do need to remember separation is not isolation separation does not mean isolation Um, it doesn't mean that you are to live as as a hermit it doesn't mean that you're to go you and I to go live in a monastery it doesn't mean that we live so separately that we're not around lost people at all so here is the balance the balance is is that you and I Ought to live among the lost live among the unbelievers but not so be around them that they've watched this that they we don't feel that our heart begins to move in their direction in other words that we don't start acting or living like them living like the world but listen if we're going to impact this world if we're going to reach the lost we have to be around them so the again the distinction is it, it, it's 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 isolation right but it's separation but it's not isolation Uh, I'll tell you this if we're not careful all of our friends are Christians everything that we do are with Christians and God began to deal with me several years ago because think about think about my job think about my position I'm pretty much at church all the time right I'm I'm with church people all the time I'm with Christians all the time and so when I challenge the congregation, listen, invite your lost friends to church. You know, share your faith with, with, with unbelievers. Well, God began to deal with me because I didn't have any lost friends. I wasn't around lost people. And so God began to, you know, convict me that I needed to, to, to build some friendships with lost people. Maybe it's my neighbors. Uh, maybe it's, you know, maybe, if, you know, when I go to the gym, I need to introduce myself I need to build relationships with those people that are lost and so I just challenge you and er encourage you that understand where the line is is that we are to live separately we're to not to live like the world but that does not mean that everybody we're around are Christians and like-minded like us we have to make a difference in this world but don't allow them Don't don't come to this place in which your heart is being pulled in the direction of the world, and when that happens, you have to stop. That's the danger zone. So I would say this to you. The first guideline means to live separately. Number two, it means live sacrificially, to live sacrificially. Look at verse number 24 again here of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse number 24. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So in order to partake and drink of the cup of blessing, I need to live separately, but I also need to live sacrificially. I need to live to serve the Lord, but also to serve other people. If you've been around here for any length of time, you understand that a part of our DNA and, and you've you've participated you've taken this DNA on and that is to serve our community love where you live Uh, that's our phrasing but it means to serve to serve our community and um, and that's what we're to do We're, we're to sacrifice and to serve the community to serve unbelievers to eat with unbelievers to pray with unbelievers to influence unbelievers Uh, keep keep my guard up as not to do anything or say anything that would hinder them from coming to Jesus but but my first concern needs to be the spiritual health of that person that I meet so there's some there's some disciplines that I've tried to incorporate in my life when it comes to this idea of witness so I've tried to discipline myself that when I meet someone new, because I'm gonna be honest with you, I, I can be very judgmental. I can, I can make a judgment call pretty quickly by looking at, looking at a person. Now, I'm often wrong about that, and God's dealt with me about that. So what I've tried to do is ask the Lord to deal with me that when I encounter somebody for the first time at a store, at a restaurant, at the gym, just out and about in the daily traffic pattern of life, is to to train myself, to discipline myself, to ask this question, the very first thing, I wonder if they know the Lord. What is the, what is, I wonder what the spiritual condition of that person is. See, instead of judging you know, their height, or their weight, or what they're wearing, or their accent, or anything about them, I wanna know, first of all, I wonder if they know the Lord. I wonder if they know Christ. Because I wanna, I wanna live my life daily with this. Can I just give it maybe an essence? I'm on the king's business. So when I go to work, before I open the door, I'm on the king's business. Before I go into the gym, I got my gym bag, I'm going in, I'm on the king's business here. Everywhere I go, I want to be on the king's business. So if I'm on the king's business, representing the king, I am an ambassador for the king, is that I I need to make sure that I'm living uh, separately, but I want to live sacrificially. So I want to be tuned in. Is Is there something that I can do for you to influence you for my king? Does that make sense? So so in order to enjoy and experience the blessing, the cup of blessing, I need to live separately. I need to live uh, sacrificially. But then I need to live single-mindedly. And that's why I ask you to kind of continue that verse in verse number 31 where it says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So my single-mindedness is... Whatever I'm doing here, am I doing it for the glory of God? Am I doing it for His honor? Am I doing it for Him? I mean, that should be foremost in our mind, right? That, that, that not just to be reaching others for Christ for my own glory or to pat myself on the back, but, but it's to say, look at Him, look at the King, give your attention to Him. Colossians chapter 3 in verse number 17 says whatever you do in word or deed do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so every lesson that we teach, every life that you and I reach, you know, is, is, is in his name and for his glory. And that's how you and I are to live. I'm on the king's business. And I'm to influence other people for him. And I, I need to be so... In the world but not to be of the world but to make an impact in the world for his glory and in that frame of mind in that in that mindset in that lifestyle then I am partaking in the cup of blessing and I'm worthy to take the cup of blessing now he says here in that verse 21 not to drink of the cup of the Lord. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. So let's talk about this. The cup of demons. That latter part of verse number 20 there, verse 20 says, No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons, not to God. And I don't want you to be participants with demons. So think about that. It's possible for you and I to participate. With demons when we think maybe when we think that we're drinking the cup of the Lord but in fact we're drinking the cup of demons that's intriguing to me so what does he mean there what's what's the idea what's the what's the teaching well he's talking about idol worship there right he's talking about that which is sacrifice to idols and, and idol worship And God wants us to separate from all forms of evil and evil people. Uh, Again, verse number seven, do not be idolaters, as some of them are. Verse number 14, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. So what is God's attitude in the Old Testament towards this kind of separation from, from those idol worshipers? Very, very serious, strong word given in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter seven, beginning in verse one. This is a strong word. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the bites amen, all those bites, Seven nations more numerous and mightier than you, right? So when, he, when you claim the land, and when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. This is, this is a strong word. You shall make no covenant with them, show no mercy to them. You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons. For they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you, and he would destroy you quickly. But thus shall you deal with them. Here's how you're going to deal with them. You shall break down their altars, dash it in pieces, their pillars, and chop down their asherim, and burn their carved images with fire. In other words, you're going to completely destroy every aspect of their idol worship, and for you are a people holy to the Lord your God holy means separate and the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own treasured possession and out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth he has what chosen you selected you and so that's the promise and what does he say he says destroy all of the idols destroy all of the altars and he says and utterly destroy the enemy I mean, listen, in fact, he says if you don't destroy every aspect of it, here's what's going to happen. If you leave one remnant, they're going to lure your heart away from me, and I am a jealous God, and you are my people. And if you begin loving and serving another God other than me, judgment's going to come. So what you're gonna have to do because you are my chosen people and I'm calling you out to live holy and separate unto me, you cannot allow, you cannot have these idols in your life. And so Jesus, listen, goes on to tell us in a very similar way and In the scripture here, even as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot participate in the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Now, you and I cannot destroy our enemies, but we can take certain precautions that will prevent us from succumbing to the works of the devil. One of the things that you want to be very careful of And that you don't bring judgment upon yourself is that when you gather for the Lord's Supper and you gather for the communion, what you think you're taking as the cup of blessing is actually the cup of demons because of this idol worship that is happening in your life. Now let's talk about what that looks like. Let's talk about what, let's let's just define an idol, defining an idol. You'll notice what Paul says about it in verse 19. It's a very interesting verse, verse 19. He says, what am I implying? That food offered to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? Here's what Paul says. Paul says, an idol is not really anything. An idol is really, it's, it's, it's nothing more than man's imagination. In fact, when you boil it down, an idol is anything that a man puts before God. See, an idol is actually nothing. An idol can't speak. An idol can't hear. An idol can't answer prayers. An idol has no pow- power. Paul's saying, what is an idol? Is idol Idol is really your imagination. It's anything that you place in your life that is above God. Martin Luther said this, idolatry is not only the adoration of images, but also trust in one's own righteousness, works, and merits, and putting confidence in riches and power. And so the truth of the matter is, is something as simple as our own will can become our God. There are some of you here tonight, some of you have a very strong will. And you've been told that. Maybe your parents said that about you. You are a strong-willed child. And now you've grown up, and now you're a strong-willed adult. Even as something as simple as your will can become our God. When we put our will before God's will, right, in a certain way, it becomes our, our God. Our career can become an idol some of you are pursuing this this degree and you're pursuing it in such a way as that even pursuing your degree has become an idol in your life when given a choice over over a family or work or or worship and you see what the priorities are you know what about those late hours I mean how is it being spent Bill Gothard made this statement idolatry is trusting people possessions or positions to do more for me what only god can do that's a strong word trusting people possessions or positions to do for me what only god can do look up here there are some of you it's a person it's a relationship And you've allowed a relationship with another person to become an idol in your life. And you will find yourself, number one, brokenhearted. You will find yourself led away from the Lord if that becomes your your idol. It, It can become something that is really good. It's not necessarily bad. It could be a relationship, it could be your education, it can be your career, it could be your job. But If you're not careful, it becomes that that idol. So the, the secret is this, God wants first place all the time. Proverbs chapter 23, verse number 26. My son, give me your heart, and let your eyes observe my ways. Says the Lord, give me your heart. You perhaps have have heard this expression. As we think about the cup of, of demons and we need to define what an idol is, but we also need to talk about not only defining an idol, but we need to talk about defiling our bodies. Because this is much of what Paul is referring to here when he talks about participating and partaking with demons. It's the defiling of the body. It is taking into the body that which is contrary to the will and the word of god maybe you've heard the the old expression in the old testament under the old covenant god had a temple for his people but under the new covenant the new testament god has has a a people for his temple in other words in the old covenant the people would gather at the temple in order to meet god right to experience god and be in the presence of god But under the new covenant, when you and I bow our heads and we turn from our sin and we turn from our selfishness and we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Bible says that he actually places his spirit inside of us. I love how the Greek renders it that he actually makes himself made manifest inside of us. In other words, all that he is is inside of me. So under the new covenant, my body is now the temple where his presence his spirit lives so that's the reason no matter where you go the lord says i promise you i'll be with you wherever you go why because his spirit lives inside of you ephesians chapter 1 says that you and i in christ being in christ that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in christ why is that because christ is in us If you're a child of God, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, everything that Jesus Christ is is inside of you. You you have his wisdom, you have his joy, you have his peace, you have his strength. Everything that he is is inside of you. Now, what we have to learn to do as believers and Christians is surrender you know, our own flesh so that he can live in us and through us so that we can, we can tap into his wisdom and his strength and his joy and all of those things, and that is the abundant life. But if my body is the temple, then I need to be very careful how I might defile it. See, I think that we dismiss today in our culture how important this is of what we allow to come, come into our bodies. God takes very seriously, especially as you read the Old Testament, when it comes to the temple, when it comes to what is allowed in his presence. So let me just say to you, be very careful about what, how you may defile the body. 2 Corinthians chapter six, verse number 16, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will what, be my people. So he talks about that. And so it's not just, by the way, what we take into our bodies. Watch this, where are you taking your body? There are some of you that are going places, be honest with you, you shouldn't be going there. There's some things that you're watching, some things that you're, you're participating in you ought not be participating in. And I know that all of us get in these, these, these binges in which we want to, you know, somebody tell us about some program on Netflix, and man, we just binge it one whole weekend or watch a whole se- season, a whole series. But I'm telling you, we need to be careful with that. We need to be careful what we're watching, if we're a child of God, if we're a Christian. We need to be careful what we're watching, what we're seeing, what we're observing, where we're going, and what we're putting in the body. Because when it comes to the cup, I want to to drink the cup of blessing. I don't want to drink the cup of demons. I want to enjoy and participate and partake at the table of the Lord and not the table of demons. But I'm telling you, you can sit at the table of demons. And you can drink the cup of demons. Many of you are maybe familiar with the name Henry Nguyen. uh, Prolific author. and Man, just a great, man, just a great, always just spoke to my heart. And he wrote a book years ago called The Wounded Healer, talking about the Lord. And he tells the story. It's it's an ancient kind of a, a proverb from India. And what's interesting, I, I read the story years and years ago, and this time last year, I barely made it back uh, at, the, at the beginning of the pandemic when I was in India. I spent about two weeks in India, and, and I heard the, that same ancient proverb while I was in India, and here's how the proverb basically goes. There were these three royal sons, and they agreed together that they would, they would go their separate ways to develop a particular skill or power and so after a period of time these three royal sons came back together and they began to talk about the the power that they had the ability they had it one of the one of the royal sons said well I now have the ability that if there is a a bone uh, I can I have the power to put on that bone uh, flesh and uh, And skin, and so uh, man, you know. So the other, the second son. Well, um, if 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 I I don't have the ability to create a bone or even to put uh, put flesh, you know, or skin on that, but I can put the limbs on that particular animal. If it has uh, legs and feet, I I can put I I can put legs to it uh, to develop it. The third son, well, I, 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 can't, I can't do flesh and hair and skin and, and I can't, you know, add the limbs to it, but I have the ability that if there is an animal that is dead, I can, I can bring life to that animal. And so they realized, the three of them, how complimentary their gifts were. And so the proverb goes that they go out into the forest and it just so happens they find the bone of a lion. And the first son is able to to attach flesh and and hair and skin to that bone and the second son was then able to extend it and and add the limbs to that that lion and and then the third son was able to to breathe life into that lion and that lion stood up and stretched itself and roared and then killed the three sons and then just ran away content the proverb is that we all have the ability to create listen to, this, to create that which can devour us we all can ha- we all have the ability to create that which can devour us it could be possessions You create or you accumulate possessions that can ultimately devour you. It can be a career that you have created and ultimately it will devour you. You probably have seen that. There's probably not one of us in this room that hasn't observed someone so obsessed about building their career or success and they accomplished it to what happened. It killed them. It killed their life, it ruined their life. It can be a relationship, it can be so many different things in us. And so the Lord warns us, be very careful that you don't create something that can ultimately devour you. And so I think for you and us, we think about the seriousness of, of communion, of that which we have in common as believers and Christians, but to strive daily to drink, The cup of the Lord, the cup of blessing, and not the cup of demons. Not to sit at the table with demons. Let's pray together. The band's going to come and lead us in a really just a time of prayer. I think as we think about our own life, as we think about our bodies, as we think about what... (coughs) what we allow in our lives to potentially destroy us or or lead us away, it can be the wrong people. It It can be a toxic relationship. And I think I would just want to challenge you tonight with this as we think about the importance, so much of the scripture, Paul's letters talks about communion, talks about the Lord's Supper. The seriousness of the cup and the bread, the blood of Jesus. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and drink the cup of demons. I wonder if you would just do this tonight, just right where you are, would you ask the Lord, Lord, is there an idol in my life? Would you ask that? Lord, is there an idol in my life? Is there a relationship in my life that I have put above you? Have I put maybe my sport above you? Have I put even my studies, the pursuit of my decree, have I put that above you? Have I put my job, my career, my ambition above you? Lord, what about my body? It is the temple of your Holy Spirit. Have I defiled it? Am I defiling my body by what I'm binging and watching? Has YouTube become an idol? Has my my gaming become an idol? Has my social media become an idol? What I've taken into my body, has that become, has that defiled me? And so the invitation tonight is really just very simple as the band leads us in a moment right where you're sitting can become an altar. And you can kneel and pray there or you can come to these steps that are an altar. And just confess and say, Lord, thank you for your Spirit showing me in my life what has become an idol or people that have pulled me away from you. God, I I want to enjoy the cup of blessing not the cup of demons. I want in my life the cup of blessing, your blessing, communion with you, fellowship with you. I need you to rule and reign in my life. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, in these next moments, you give us such a strong word about sitting at the table. And as the Apostle Paul spoke to that church at Corinth, there were some that were guilty of, they thought they were sitting at the table of the Lord, but they were in fact sitting at the table of demons. They've allowed some things that they created in their own minds to draw them away from you. Lord, I pray that we would take heed not to create something that can devour us. I thank you that your Holy Spirit is so powerful that your Holy Spirit can show every one of us tonight, Lord, including me, what in my life has become an idol. I didn't mean for it to be, but it's become an idol and so Lord in these next moments what we want to do is we want to confess that before you and we want to say King Jesus we need you to rule and reign forgive us where we have fallen short forgive us where we have allowed our hearts to go astray and God when we leave this place and whether it's back on campus or back to work or Lord wherever we go that we remember continuously that we are on the king's business you are our king we are your ambassadors we are your children and we represent you and we want to speak and we want to influence others we want to serve others with the hopes to Reach them for you, Lord, for your honor, for your glory, so that every day, in every way, what we speak, what we say, what we do is for your honor. It's for you, because you are our king. You are our creator. You are our God, and we love you, and we praise you, and we're grateful for you. So, God, we confess to you, and we call out to you, and we sing your praises, and we pray it in Christ's name, amen.